Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Hello. Hi. Today is our first part of a Gen Con recap. So I guess starting with a, a day one, um, we we arrived on, on the Wednesday, got our, our will call, wasn't too bad. Um, I think you, I don't know. You, it, well, explain why it wasn't too bad for you. Well, for us, we went to the wrong line <laughs> and they just sort yep. of uh, agreed with it and then just gave us our, our will call stuff without making us actually stand in the will call line. Um. Which is kind of nice. <laughs> uh, I think you guys, and then you guys were a couple hours later, and it was like a forty-five minute line. Yeah, forty-five minutes to an hour. I think yeah. it wasn't super. Which long, isn't that bad. It wasn't. Yeah. And then I think not as bad as it was the next day when uh, Thursday it when it was out and around yeah. the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we had people coming late on Wednesday, and they had a quick like twenty twenty-five minutes. And that one I've stood in. Last year when I got there at like the eleven thirty or whatever, I was in the line to like oh, after one a.m. So uh, maybe they're being wow. slightly more efficient. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think my experience a couple of years ago showed up super late. I was in and out super fast too. I think that was the twenty nineteen one. Mm, yeah, you yeah. did show up late that time. And just to clarify, this is twenty twenty three Gen Con twenty twenty three in Indianapolis. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yep. You know, for historical records. Oh, for historical records. Right, 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 right. For those future listeners to yeah, download this. When they find the hard drive it. containing all these episodes hidden <laughs> deep within a trash mound hundreds of years from now. Exactly. Okay. Hello, future architects, ar- archaeologists, also architects. Hello. <laughs> <Just> architects. <laughs> yeah. They're trying to build something. All right. Uh, so on day one, uh, we began with a game of Earth. Yeah, so Earth, uh, the designer was uh, Maxim Tardoff. Uh, it was done by Inside Up Games, developed by Connor McGooey, and the artists were M81 Studio, Connor McGooey, who I think we've played games from him before, and we've mentioned that that's a great name, uh, Yulia Sosnik and Kenneth Spond. And essentially, we were trying to create our own little environments. We had cards that were mostly plants, I felt like. Apparently there were yeah. some animals in there, but I, I never well, saw the, the them, animals were like the sideboard end game objective. So you didn't like put them into your tableau or anything. Yeah. yeah. But I think there was more things that were like, because one of our, one of those animals wanted you to have cards that had animal as a keyword. No, no animal it was like the name of a plant, like a cat's oh. cat tail. Oh. And it would underline the word yeah. cat. But it was still a plan. So it's kind of like wingspan, mm. where it's like you need gray birds, Lobster or mushrooms with colors in their names. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, and then we basically we were building out a tableau of like a four by four uh, thing, and um, yeah, so I felt like it was interesting. There was definitely some, uh, you know, some engine building because uh, it was a you picked an action, you got like the the major element of that action. And then everybody else on the table got the minor thing of whatever that action was. So I think we've played some games like that in the past, uh, kind of like a follow me. I can't think of any that are coming right off the top of my head, but I know we've played some that have uh, a similar like wingspan major and minor. Well, but the thing with wingspan though, is if I select, you know, place a bird, nobody else gets to do right. that. 
in this one, oh, like I, I see selected what you're saying. against yeah. soil, you guys had to choose sometimes between like I would get soil and a card where you guys would have to choose. Do I take a card or do I get soil? You wouldn't get both. So you got to underwater do, got, cities. Yes. I can't confirm that. I just, it sprung to mind. So it may be that one did it. Okay. Well then <laughs> just keep the part where I emphatically say yes. And then we can both be wrong at the same time. Okay. Um, yeah. So I thought the engine building was interesting because I was definitely like trying to make choices on like spreading out. Cause you also got to do the special powers for whatever the color was for that action. Um, so I thought it was interesting. I feel like wingspan was a much better engine builder. Yep. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, in terms of like that style of game, it seemed a lot like wingspan and wingspan is just better. Um, the guy also at our table kept comparing it to terraforming Mars. I did not mm-hmm. think it was a terrible game like terraforming Mars, but um, well, I, I also don't, don't think it was anything like terraforming yeah, Mars I don't at either. all. I guess because you're creating your own ecosystem or your own island thing, maybe. Yeah, but in terraforming Mars, you like you you were all working on the same planet, but you all had your own. And like, if I made a choice in terraforming Mars, like you guys didn't get stuff out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And there was more like directed, like take that type stuff. Anyway, it's not not really like terraforming Mars, but yeah, not I disagreed with that guy. I did like how you got to build trees on your. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part. On your cards. Yeah, so some of the plants you could there was like a growth Grow. thing, and so it had nice little like brown things for the the trunks, and there was a topper that went on, mm-hmm. which looked like a little spurf house almost. Yeah. But it was another way to, to gain points. So that was nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't have any strong feelings about the game. Um, <laughs> I am glad that you guys filled in what the theme and the description were. Because thinking back to it, I wasn't, I was like trying to think like, what was our goal? Like what was? <laughs> it was just earth. You're just putting plants down. Yeah. It's not super thematic. I mean, you have lots of plants that you're putting down, but, um, yeah, Yeah, but I'd prefer like an ecosystem where like you're, I mean, I think we mentioned like ecos as an actual ecosystem game, like you're putting plants and animals and there's some interaction between them, but you're really just dropping plants and making sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're making sets, you're putting things on them for victory points. There were a lot of different ways to get victory points. So I think that was nice. Um, there was another game. Arc Nova was another one that you kept oh, comparing it yeah. to. Yeah. With the multiple ways of kind of putting things together. Yeah, sure. Arc Nova did that thing where it's like, here's kind of a cool like topic. And then we're going to put right. in like policies and bureaucracy around it because that'll make it more fun. <laughs> and it's at least this one actually just stuck to like putting plants and animals down and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the art was really nice. Yeah. I like that. I think table presence wise, it, it looked good. I mean, especially if you were kind of mid to late game and you saw everybody's kind of tableau with the trees and stuff for the plants growing. So I think that was interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I would stop and at least look at it. Um, and it wasn't a bad game. No. Yeah. Um, I would rate it as decent, but nothing special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, next up, we played Goblin Vaults, uh, pub, uh, designed by Keith Mat- 
Mateshka of Roleplayer and Eric Schlautman, developed by Jean Brieger of Cartographers and Luke Meech of Floorplan. The artist was Veronica Fedorova, Reiner Petter, Lucas Ribeiro of Cartographers, and Diego Sa. Uh, and it's published 2023 by Thunderworks. Um, so it's set in the role player universe, kind of. I wouldn't say it's very thematic. Um, yeah. I should let you do this one because I can't really describe. Uh, it's a tr- trick taking game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you can do it. I and. It. Um, yeah, so there were like three cards out, and then one of them indicated the Trump suit. There were four suits, five suits? I think five. five. There might have been six, but they, we removed one yeah. because it was four players. Um, and then as well, we all had our own sort of faction. So there were a couple symbols on the cards. And uh, basically, whoever played the highest card, we'd all go around. We'd all bid on a card by placing a value card down. And then... Um, you know, whoever had the highest would take the auctioned card and then the Trump card would beat all the other suits as well. Uh, and then you would get the auction card. Whoever won it, their card would go to the next auction, sort of cycle through. Um, I'm not describing it well. This card game. It's a trick-taking game. <laughs> um, and then you'd build a tableau with the cards you got. You're trying to do things like, Kind of dependent on your your objectives, those I guess could change around, but we were trying to get like uh, a set of three cards and then they like we wanted a, a three in a row uh, numerically or highest of a certain suit, uh, different objectives like that. And then each card had like a order of placement that you were. Yeah. So like what well. cards would want to be in the front, middle or back of the vault, they called it, which is basically a set. I mean, for me, like I was looking back at where I, I ranked this one uh, I, and I ranked it relatively low. Um, I, th- I think just for me, like I know trick taking games don't really work for our group. I mean, when we sat down and the guy was like, oh, it's a trick game, trick taking game. And Eric like looked at me with this look of panic and horror <laughs> in his face. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, it's it's one of those things where like uh it was trick-taking, but I think at the same time, there was a little bit of, like, deduction as well. Like, what do you... Because you don't know what cards the other players have, but trying to figure out... I don't even know if you could figure out what other people were doing, because you really don't know, like, what other cards other people have. The only thing you could try and figure out, you know, based on what was in their vault, is what you think they might play for. There was no but player even, interaction. Yeah. You're, you keep trying to have... At the last play, I knew I had the highest of the trump cards because everything else was out displayed. And so I knew I could get the card that I needed. So I could actually look at what was out on the board and then know my odds of having that one. Because I knew like the top two, I had like an eight and the nine and the ten were already out. But yeah. that's about it for player interaction. Like, yeah. Which was not really interaction. I was just looking at the board. <laughs> Um, yeah, not, nothing else really to add. Just it's kind of low on the, it, I mean, it's a card game and trick taking game, like you guys have said already. So like theme wise and interaction, those like fun elements weren't really there. Um, but it was a decent game. I had one complaint about the cards with the symbols, mm-hmm. like they had the same, you know, you had your five symbols or whatever, but then there were two of them in the upper left of the card, like one right in the corner and then one in the middle 
And mm-hmm. I kept like, I could know which one I'm supposed to be looking at, but your eyes are still going to like the same spot. So I, I think I even just mentally was like, yeah, missing which one was one that I should be paying attention to. Um, but yeah, it was okay. Like my, my family likes trick ticking games. Like we sp- yeah. like, played spades like every day when I was in New York. So I might get it to like play with them because it was a little bit more interesting than playing just a card game. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. I, I feel like you should look at uh, what was the space planet X? Uh, the, oh uh, yeah. Um, search for planet X. Yeah. The I cooperative. Think trick-taking cooperative trick-taking that, yeah. that was probably the most fun of those trick-taking games um yeah, yeah that's the problem is there's just so many of them that i don't i don't think there need to be more <laughs> but um i yeah, guess obviously it, people enjoy them yeah it seems like it was you know from the role player universe them trying to do something to appeal to a different type of game player yeah. that's all i think the big yeah. the big miss for me though is that like they're usually so thematic, right? The role player uh, lockup. Um, you guys played role player adventures. Uh, yeah. Even cartographers just feels more thematic, and this mm-hmm. just didn't feel that very like mm. that much to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like their next one, um, Architects, is going to be pretty thematic as well. Cause you like get to build a dungeon yeah. so similar to cartographers, except it's card play instead of a roll and write mm. yeah. or a flip and write in the case of cartographers. Yeah. That'll be cool. And we haven't played Donna Ulos, but you got it, I think. So be interested yeah. to see what that one is. Uh, next up we have. Uh, Dice Veggies. So Dice Veggies was published in 2023. Um, and the designers are Josh Kappel. Uh, Joy Keppel and Rowan Keppel. Um, the artist is Claire Lynn and the published by Kids Table BG. Yeah, so we had a um, set of dice that were um, acting as, as veggies. Um, so the different color indicated um, which uh, vegetable uh, the die was. And then um, we each had recipe or two cards total we have uh you have two recipes two recipes and two hype cards two and two um so you had your recipes that you were trying to make um and they required a certain um vegetables and then uh you had the hype cards that um kind of played around with um whether or not you had like that all had like even numbers on them or you discarded a, a dice in the process or something like that um, to add something to your recipe, which was pretty cute. Um, trying to think of anything. Oh, yes. Yeah, so the major like way you selected the um, dice was you had a little um, chopping knife and you had to um, go to the, the pool and just slice out um yeah from the rows that were available and what was it it had to be 10 pips total total. or or less or less less, yeah yeah Yeah. and you could cook a recipe um and add some hype to it if you could meet those requirements as well and 
Yeah. And the requirements would be things like all odd numbers or must equal this value um, or have an extra of dif- different resources, things like that. Yeah, or they would do like uh, you could use an extra onion to have like grilled onions added to your uh, recipe to then like make onions for that recipe worth more. I liked the game a lot. Um, Pretty much any food game is usually something that I like. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, it was fun both just like the playful like taking the, the knife and selecting out your ingredients and then um the way that the recipes and the hype work together was was cute like just i keep saying that <laughs> i said that like five yeah. times but it was um yeah like i had one like make this with love and like make sure everybody notices that you're gonna like discard a, a dice in the process or forget well, i forget what it was but like yeah it was cute enjoyable yeah. enough that we went out and bought it and yeah. then played it yeah. last night yes. so or the other night Mm. Uh, I think, you know, for a kid's game, it there was enough to, like, it, there were ways to make it more kid-friendly and more family-friendly, which was really nice mm. for even younger players or players with shorter attention spans um, or, you know, obstacles in reading or counting, those types of things. Um, but it was still in you know, the way that we played complex enough where, you know, there was some sort of strategy, right? Because you were still trying to get the most points. And uh, even though you wanted to make the recipes that you wanted to make, because they sounded delicious. I know, Kate, you you gave some up for points. It was really hard. You Mm -hmm. wanted like certain dishes, but you also wanted to make sure you could make certain plates. And so, I don't know, I think, you know, for something that was so fun and light, there was also uh, a little bit to it. Yeah. I mean, I got to the table first and I chose my seat based on the two recipes that were sitting in front of that <laughs> chair. So, yeah. uh, but I think like, mechan- like it's not anything crazy mechanically, but I think that we don't, we haven't really played anything like that where we had an additional puzzle to figure out, like, how do I cut out the ingredients that I need at the number that I need. And it had some like re-roll capabilities and a nice little box to like get them into the square that you needed them in or the, not a square, but a rectangular formation. Yeah. Block. Um, So yeah, I thought it was, and BP saying, you know, they had different ways to like increase or decrease the, the requirement based on, you know, are you playing with people who can read? Are you playing with people who can do math? Like, and you can change it based on that. So I thought that was good. Um, yeah. So then after that, we headed to the hot games room because we learned last year that that's a pretty good place to go to play games, especially ones that are uh, you know kind of brand new to the con. So then uh, we picked up uh, Next Station Tokyo, um, and I picked that one based on Next Station London being a Kenner Spiel or uh, Spiel des Jahres uh, nominee. Plus it's a roll and write and I love them. Uh, so uh, Next Station Tokyo, uh, it says 2017, but I think Next Station Tokyo is actually, uh, it was published in 2023 and uh, it was designed by Matthew Dunstan, who did Elysium, uh, the Guild of Merchant Explorers, which is a game I really enjoy. And then also Next Station London, uh, developed by Brian uh, Lefebvre, Lefebvre. Lefebvre. The artist was Maxime Noreen, who also did Next Station London, and it was published by Blue Orange Games. 
Um, and basically the idea was is that we each had our own kind of little region. Uh, it's supposed to be Tokyo. There was a green line uh, that went the circle around it. And then we each had our own colored pencil and we drew out cards that would basically say like, hey, you need to connect to a, or the shapes of a circle, square, triangle, and pentagon, I think. Oh yeah, pentagon. And so you had to connect uh, to that station from wherever one of your terminus ends. And then once we hit uh, five green cards, uh, then we would basically, sh we'd score those points and you would get scored based on the number of stations you had and the number of regions that you were able to visit. And then we traded our colored pencils and we basically did it again for a new line. So you actually got to build out, uh, I think it was four lines and then plus your green line. Um, I, I thought it was really fun and I thought, uh, Eric, I think you pointed out, you said it, it was the game that we wish Terminus was. Yep. Uh, it really captured actually, uh, actually making Metro lines better than the Metro game that was really big and complicated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I actually, we went to the blue orange table. When did we do that? Sunday, I think. And it was sold out uh, or Saturday, Saturday. And it was already sold out for the show, like Saturday afternoon. So um, but yeah, I really liked it. Um, I'd like to try next station in London. I think the only difference was there isn't a center circle, um, mm. green line in next station in London. So that's the difference between the two. And I wonder if maybe I would rather have the green line. Um, cause I think there was some added stuff cause you're like, you wanted to visit every station on the green line. And if you didn't, you got negative points. Mm. So, uh, but it was pretty easy to learn. I felt like, um, yeah. yeah. Straightforward, roll and write. Yeah, these are the... Uh, it's flip the, and write, I guess. Yeah, and it's the same company that did um, Welcome To. Right. Which is also mm -hmm. a flip and write that we really enjoy. Anything to add? Um, really, yeah. No, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, as a flip and write, um, not a ton of interaction, but it, was, but it was still fun. It was a nice little tricky puzzle. You know, you can kind of start out drawing your, your lines and then gets harder each time and just yeah i liked it i think most roll and rights interaction is from like somebody going oh no i backed myself into a corner yeah <laughs> yep. or like mm -hmm. cheering when they pull off the thing they've been trying to get to mm -hmm. but yeah I mean, yeah and roll and rights are my favorite but this was a, a pretty fun one mm -hmm. i like i mean just making the metros is fun so yeah and i think the passing the colored pencil was something different that added some interaction at least right mm -hmm. like um kind of shifting things up a little bit mm -hmm. so that was a nice change i think again the team that does this one that's one of the things is they take this roll and write or flip and write kind of thing and flip it around to yeah. make it more interesting mm -hmm. i don't think we knew the pencils were going to be passed and when you first said it we all went like ooh. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah <laughs> Then we uh, played a game of Deep Dive, which uh, was published by Flat Out Games and AG in 2023, designed by Molly Johnson, Robert Melville, and Sean Stankwich. I think we usually say Stankovich, but mm -hmm. it's probably Stankwich. Okay. Um, and uh, the artist was Dylan McGinney. Okay. 
Um, they are all from point salad, truffle shuffle, dollars to donuts, and uh, some of the other games along those lines. Um, in this one, it's uh, we kept comparing it to... What's the name? Deep Sea Adventure. Deep Sea Adventure. That's right. Um, basically, there are um, four or five. There were five different uh, collections of tiles that you would move your meeple, which were uh, penguins, actually, uh, down uh, with kind of a push your luck, right? So uh, less predators in... Uh, ratio-wise in the first set, ratio-wise many more predators in the second set. So your penguins move down in order, kind of pushing your luck along the way. Uh, you could go as long as you uh, didn't get eaten and you could keep, uh, once you stopped, you could keep the tile you were on. Um, sometimes you may not have wanted to if it was a uh, a rock, because rocks were not of any value, but they were also a, a point where you could you could pause to catch your breath, so to speak, uh, because the bubbles, when you turned them over, actually pushed you further down. So again, just kind of a great way to push your luck and um, the tiles that you collected, you wanted to make sets of them and based on uh, the point value of your sets, Highest points go to the winner. It was fun, light game, I thought. Um, I like Deep Sea Adventures. I think it was just as fun. I know some of the comparisons were it was missing some of the interaction that Deep Sea Adventures has that this one does not have. Yeah, I think because um, this is one of the games that I taught at AEG Big Game Night. Um, and. I described it as a more family-friendly deep-sea adventure because mm. there's no take that at all in deep dive. And I feel like there's a pretty not a significant element of deep-sea adventures that's take that. But, you know, you can force people to come up early or miss the boat with the oxygen if you just go down, grab something small, and then get back to the boat. Um, so I, that's what I that's how I described this one was a more family-friendly um, version of deep-sea adventure. And I, and I think I would I would agree. Plus the the penguin meeples were great. That's about all that I was gonna say. <laughs> <It> was <laughs> yeah. the, I love penguins so pretty much. Um, yeah, I was sold when I sat down and had my three different penguin meeples. <laughs> um, but yeah, the push your luck was fun, and it wasn't like too risky to push your luck. I guess, or maybe you guys disagree with me because you guys got more of the predators. Um, but yeah, like even once you did push your luck and you got a predator, then it kind of helped you next round. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was good. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Um, I think you imagine there is a lot of luck in the push your luck. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I thought would make it kind of interesting is if maybe you flip the tiles back so there's more of a memory element mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. you'd still be pushing your luck as you go deeper, but like maybe if you could remember tiles and things, it would you could like... And I have a little bit more of a, a less randomness to it. But um, yeah, I think you guys summed it up pretty well. Yeah, I think the only difference would be that uh, having the tiles all flipped over is the one of the is the in game right. trigger. So you would just have to figure out a, right, a different yeah. trigger if that's the way you played it. Yeah. 
So that is our games for day one. Uh, for uh, well, we still have the escape room. I consider that. Oh, a game. yep, you're right. I've, I saw the food next. Uh, yeah. So okay. for food, uh, we we ate at the Spoken Steel. Do we do we talk shit about it? Yeah. Or would our, would our food people nice. like to chime in? <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, you know, our in our bingo board, we do have one disappointing meal, and it was the food. Unfortunately, was disappointing. The service was fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I was great. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. So I, you know, we were trying to find uh, some place for that night. Um, if you ever go to Indianapolis for Gen Con, uh, reservations get booked early at some of the. The some of the big, you know, known names and places. So sometimes when those are already taken, trying to find, you know, in the amount of time we had between games can get a little tricky. So we were trying something new. But um, <laughs> yeah, the food was disappointing. The service was great. Don't think we'll be back. But yeah. Yeah. And I hope Franklin finds a job at a place that has better food. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> he was great. Yeah. All right, and then after dinner, we went to the uh, Trapped in Wonderland escape room, which was sort of a pop-up convention escape room. First time we've done anything like this at uh, at Gen Con. Mm-hmm. The location was, was cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah it was in the was, Crown Plaza. Yeah, the Crown Plaza. It had, I really want to stay there one year. That would be great. Uh, in the train car specifically, not <laughs> right. a regular room. Yep. But, yeah, they have train car. Like, and... I guess we've, we've never done anything ever over there. So we just had yeah. no idea that it was there. No, we played a Dungeons and Dragons once in yeah, one of those. Yeah, that was in the, in the actual station. Like, right. And it was just like right in the corner. So we didn't really explore it. see the train car. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you, yeah, you can stay in the train car rooms, which is like super. Yeah, that would be cool. It would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that was not the escape room. Yeah. I, I felt like the puzzles in the escape room were okay. Yes. Like, the setup wasn't great, but I feel like maybe that's a lot of, this is the space that they had, so mm-hmm. they worked with what they had. Right. Um, and their description was weird because it was like, do these, and then that's the ante room to go into the rest of it. And really, it was just, you do the puzzles at the start of the table, and then you could have access to the rest of the room. But then people just went into the rest of the room, and they didn't really stop us. So I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure. Like, It was also, I mean, I think in the theme of escape rooms is that there it was like eight people and it was probably good yeah. for three to four. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I feel like they could have done something of even just like, I don't know, a baby gate with a, uh, you know, a, an Alice in Wonderland, like cardboard something <laughs> on front of it that blocked the ante room. And then when you completed the puzzle, some person just like it moved it. It's like you're yeah. in Wonderland. Oh. I don't know. Like it didn't or have to be pop. like high quality because it's just sort of a pop up. But like uh, I mean, a, a bike, a bike chain that the first puzzle gives you a key to unlock the bike chain. Yeah, yeah. right. It could have just been silly, but it's just having a little bit of something more than just, I don't know, puzzles on tables. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I think probably shouldn't talk too much about the puzzles themselves. Yeah, but there was one, at least one thing that I was like, "Oh, that's really cool!" Like I've never seen that before, and like, right. and at first, like seeing it, I was like, "What the heck do we do with this?" <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think the puzzles themselves were like good. It was just the layout, and I think it was. I think Eric's right. I think it was really built 
it was a puzzle room or a room of puzzles built for three to four people. Right. Yeah. But then, then kind of goes to my complaint of probably not going to do the Gen Con because it's a ticketed event. So you can't control how many people. Mm-hmm. Like if you book one, a private one in the normal world, you would just, you know, right. book under the max number. But you don't have control over that. They'll fill it up with, you know, other people if you don't book all the tickets. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Um. All right. That was day one. Uh, day two. I think uh, Kiwi and I actually Kiwi BP and I started with the vendor hall in the morning, right? Right. Uh, so yes. we did a couple hours in the vendor hall, um, which we demoed uh, kites at yep. Floodgate. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll actually talk about that one in a bit later. So I don't know if we want to talk about right. That I'm trying one to think now. of what else we saw. Mostly just kind of walked around and checked things out. Uh, it was pretty busy. Um, lots of cool stuff, uh, art and yeah. things. How far did we make it, Eric? We made it to uh, aisle 20, or it was like 2,300, I think. Yeah. yeah. And the other group made it to like 400, yes. 600. Uh, <laughs> we'll get their experience in the vendor hall and then see how it compares. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we kind of were just doing a quick pass through, checking things out. Uh, I, make, I make notes on what to go back to later. Things like that. Right. Uh, then we went to our next escape room, which was the Dark Wyvern Mining Escape Room. Um, and this is a, uh, not a pop-up, it's a Indianapolis escape rooms, uh, always there so you can go anytime. Uh, how did that yeah. compare? Oh, I mean, it, it, definitely very well put together, uh, complex puzzles, intricate, multiple rooms, but I think just in general, too many people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially at that first room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first room was small. Yeah. yeah. I, I did think that the elevator part was super cool. Uh, just, you know, they made like a rumble floor and they had the lights that went up. So it actually looked like the elevator was going down mm-hmm. um, when they were like, uh, you need to close the door all the way. Like I legit thought it was an elevator <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it started. And then I realized, okay, this isn't actually an elevator, but I was like, they were very adamant about the door being shut. See, and the so- only reason I knew it wasn't an elevator is because we would have been in the spaghetti factory. <laughs> Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> but that's, that's the only reason I, I know. I thought about that. Um, but yeah, so like that's how well done it was. And I think some of the puzzles were pretty tough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we needed some hints and then some of the folks in the group just like touching stuff. And so like they messed up the computer that was part of it. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's part of an escape room though. Usually they yeah. try to make it so that things are touchable without breaking the puzzle. But I guess when you get into computers, then you're probably going to cause some problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, production value was. Yeah, production was cool. Yeah, it reminded people. me of that submarine one that we did. Yeah, in, uh, in Scottsdale. In Scottsdale, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was well done. Um, then after that, uh, I think just Kiwi and I went back to the vendor hall to finish out what we hadn't seen yet. Yep. Um, and then we met up for... Uh, uh, Diner Disaster, we don't know when it's published. Um, yeah. We don't know anything there about it. The, yeah, there wasn't a lot of information on BGG, and the description I put on here is from the... Uh, there was no description on BGG. This is the description from the uh, event listing on mm. the Gen Con website. Um, okay, well... 
That makes it easy, except that I have to describe the game. So we, <laughs> yeah, we, um, we had a, a board that was a diner um, with lots of tables on it. And there's also a kitchen and um, there were a few tables both out in the dining area as well as the kitchen that had um, health code violations. And so we were going around to try to um, flip the tables and, and find those violations to collect three right? um, to, in order to win. And um, what made it uh, a little bit tricky was that you had a, a hand of cards and then there were also cards to draw from that dif- had different um, actions on them. And some of them, and there was one pile that was like, take that, um, made uh, the other players um, like discard a card or you would take a card from their hand, things like that. Um, let's see what else. So you're, yeah, it's a memory game. You're trying to go around and, and find the violations and like one of the actions you could just peek so you could know it's there, but you can uh, take it at that point. Um, but you could mark um, each table that you had checked with a little coffee cup. Um, trying to think. Oh yeah, and the chef. Yeah, so you would you could move, but you could also move the chef in the in the kitchen. Um, well, you could move him out of the kitchen and out towards the other players. And if the chef came um, to where you are, it would he would kick you out, um, and you'd have to start again. And yeah. The tables, we, the players set up the tables in the beginning um, and created a maze that you had to walk through. Um, yeah, the chef, the chef did not turn out to be a good person in this game. Like, the designers really did not have good, I feel like, feelings towards chefs in restaurants. And diners. Yeah. <laughs> and diners, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say um, thematically interesting. Yes. I don't think we've ever played anything thematically like this. You're like you, you are food inspectors or health inspectors. Uh, mechanically, not great. Clunky. Clunky, Clunky is probably a good way to uh, describe it. It's interesting that there's like not much presence on BGG, but like we played this from a double exposure table, which means they like paid double exposure to run their game and demo it and things. Um, it felt more like it should have been at the double exposure playtest um, area. Mm. Uh, mm. Like I said, yeah. I think there's a game there that uh, it, it was interesting. Uh, the theme was interesting, but like it probably just needed more work. Yeah, because there there was a lot there that it seemed like they had tried to work out, like the way that the cards. Um, had three levels of the abilities mm-hmm. and that was actually a cool mechanic. Yeah. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, there's a loads of interaction between the way that those cards worked um, that, that affected um, how you could play each card, like based on what the people did before you and whether they played a purple card or a blue card. And then you're on the board kind of like, all looking around at the same tables 
but it seemed like even with all of that going on, there was still mostly just luck. Like just, yeah, luck of finding it. It felt like the, the card table. mechanics were cool, but they didn't really work with the whole board they had set up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think this one is on my list of like disappointing from the theme because mm-hmm. like with the diner and food in general, I get excited, but it didn't really have much to do with food. And- no. Yeah. 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 I, I was actually expecting like more of a, you know how they have those like uh, phone click games where you're like trying to deliver food to, yeah. to people uh, or more of like a, an overcooked type yeah. of situation kitchen rush where you're like trying to deliver a yeah, kitchen rush yeah. uh, type thing. That's what I was expecting. I was not expecting at all what we got. Right. Yeah, I was hoping I for like a different take on Kitchen Rush, but yes, yep, that's what I was hoping for too. And it so maybe that might have added to the disappointment. Uh, yeah, so then I volunteered this year to do the AEG Big Game Night as one of the what do they call us uh, game masters for a table. So uh, I helped teach uh, Shake That City which you'll hear coming up in episode 213. Um, and then we play a deep dive, which you already heard about. Uh, number drop, which you'll hear about in episode 214. And then waffle time, uh, which is also in episode 214. So uh, it was a really good experience. I enjoyed it. Um, I got to meet some other uh, like cool people that were also there on the table. I was working a table. It ended up being two of us working three different tables for three different groups. Um, one was like, uh, the guy's wife and son, and then like two random people that just kind of like joined the table. And then there was a group that was clearly, uh, had been gaming together for a long time. And then there was like two dads with their sons, uh, at one of the tables. So it was like very different, uh, play experience and capabilities. Mm. So trying to teach games, um, it, it was interesting, uh, and then uh, to people who wasn't who weren't us. Yeah, to people who were yeah people who actually paid attention to the rules. So it was great. Uh, um, yeah, so I think um, it was a good experience. I uh, got some free games out of it. I, I they weren't free. I guess I had to do some work to earn them. But uh, I think I think I will volunteer next year as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time, and I got a shirt out of it. Lobster and Mike Pence. Oh yeah, we we. You guys had- Lobster. Yes, we went to the Kate and I went to the food trucks and we had um, a lobster food truck, which was very good, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, cupcakes Mm -hmm. after we played uh, Dim Sum, which will be in a future Gen Con recap. Okay. Uh, I I think that's because that was that food truck area is very different from previous years Mm because it moved to the south side of the convention center. So that might be worth uh, And it is much, much better there. Um, Well, Mm -hmm. with two caveats. Uh, so the food trucks are on a wider street. I felt like there's, it's not on Georgia street, which is packed with people just sort of moving around. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of mm-hmm. more out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's lots of space. Lines weren't bad. Uh, there's a big seating area, which is nice. I don't think it used to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, was, it kind of felt spacious. Uh, instead of cramped. So it's a good spot for it. Uh, the downsides are that they played very loud music when I was standing next yes. to it and yeah. they need to not do that because go away. Um, and then uh, trains kept going by and trains are also very loud, but um, yeah. people got very excited for the trains and they would cheer for the trains. So it was also <laughs> kind of funny. I'll take the trains over the DJ. Yeah. Tra- train, trains are fine. Uh, DJ should fuck off. 
Um, the lines were probably still long at certain hours and certain lines. Your soda line was pretty long. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it just depends on what time of day I think you yeah, go probably. as well. Yeah, my only time going around that area was when we were rushing from the stadium to get to the convention center. Mm-hmm. And then it was just at that point, it was annoying because there were just a ton of people standing around. But I could see like have. Looking at it from when we walk through it, I think it's a much better place yeah. to be it's, than Georgia Street. It's good to disperse some of the crowd away from the convention center yeah. towards the stadium, too. So. Yeah. It it did make the walkway... I, I don't think we ever saw the walkway between the convention center and the stadium that packed full of people. Right. I mean, BP and I, the first time we walked into it, we were like, oh, my God, like, this yeah. is insane. And then we realized, oh, they moved all the food trucks to the south. So now this is the way to the food trucks. And so that walkway is now way more packed. Yep. And it was always that packed. I yeah. don't think I ever saw it to the point where it was in the past, where it was like mostly empty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that was, that was day two. If you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on or game conventions, please send them our way. You can do it via email at firstturntabletop at gmail or Twitter, Instagram. We are at firstturncast. And the podcasting camel says, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you. Play more games. Bye.